I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome. This is Football Social Daily. Back for a Monday and back after the final weekend of Premier League action before the World Cup. The World Cup is just six days away, seven games till England's first game. And you can keep up to date with it all on Football Social Daily, which for the next month or so will be World Cup social daily more on that later as we take a little break from the premier league we're going to look back on the season so far and decide who could be in line for lifting the title and who is facing a relegation battle post world cup kind of like a half-term report we'll do that on today's football social daily we're also going to start the podcast in the normal way we do on a monday the traditional monday moan we'll have a get in the sea as we cast something that's wound us up across the weekend into the deep blue And I'll wager there's a fair few United fans at the moment that fancy chucking Cristiano Ronaldo into the ocean after his comments in a Piers Morgan interview that is due to air on Wednesday and Thursday this week. He said some explosive things that could potentially mean the end of his Manchester United career, but also at the same time, does he have a point? in some of his comments about the football club. We'll get into that shortly on today's podcast that I will be doing with Joel Tudor. How you doing, Joel? I'm good. Just when we thought there'd be nothing to talk about, we're here. Yeah, Ronaldo (laughs) has thrown a grenade into the footballing world. Alongside Joel, we've got Marley Anderson. Are you all right, Marley? Hello, yes, very... uh, Yeah, not too bad, actually, yeah. Good. Right, let's start off with a bit of a whinge, a bit of a moan from the weekend. We can throw something in the sea. Let's start off with a bit of a whinge, a bit of a moan, as we do like to on a Monday. We can throw something in the sea that has wound us up from the weekend of footballing action. Marley, you're a professional moaner. <laughs> what are you going to chuck into the ocean today? Wow, I've uh, been called many things in my time. Um, <laughs> yeah, um... Obviously, Ronaldo's got to go in later in the show, so I'm not. I'm going to stay away from that, and we'll spend yeah. plenty of time talking about exactly. Cristiano Ronaldo. So let me let me divert only slightly from uh, from Ronaldo because it is kind of linked, but it is more Man United and specifically over the weekend there was um, 
there was a lot of social media, Sky Sports and, and whatever, giving attention, which is the key word here, attention, to uh, a YouTuber who was in England. <laughs> uh, Joel's laughing because he knows him what about. Jim's clueless because he's an old man. Um, and <laughs> what's this YouTube thing? Is it like a, like a VHS? Think... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like Betamax. But uh, if Betamax won the uh, won the war between that and VHS, <laughs> now Joel's like, what? What's Betamax? Um, but yeah, there's, there's a YouTuber. He calls himself I I Show Speed. Um, basically, is is what all YouTubers are really, except on another level. Uh, he's an attention seeker. Um, he's one of them. He's so loud honest to god man you see him and he just screams in at the camera and it's like how can anybody watch your videos but anyway, do you know what i know exactly who you're talking about you because my son watches a lot of youtube stuff yeah. and even he as a nine-year-old says this guy's really annoying and loud exactly oh, wow. it's it's so weird but for, like he was in uh, England this weekend and uh, they, they wheeled him around like he was some sort of big celebrity and you know he was in the Sky Sports studios talking to Jeff Shreves and all sorts of stuff he was there was loads and loads of clips of him and I was just like how do I how do I block this guy from a timeline because it's not him it's not even him that's like that's showing up on his updates so I can't even block him or, or mute him mm. or whatever it's other people like who should know better Sky Sports shouldn't be giving giving airtime to a, a YouTuber who doesn't know anything about football and then he's like in this like position of <laughs> like, like relativity. It's like what who what does he bring to anything? He comes on the camera, talks to Jeff Shreves about is Ronaldo playing? Is Ronaldo playing? It's like does it matter? Like you, you claim you're a Man United fan, then you're wearing a Fulham shirt. I've seen him in a Liverpool shirt, I think. Uh, recently, is that that kid on FIFA who uh, in the FIFA crowd who wears all different types of generic um, generic shirts on on whichever team you're playing for? So mm-hmm. yeah, he's bloody annoying. Um, the thing that I don't get is just why how people find him entertaining. I, I purely flat out do not get it. Um, but maybe it's because I'm old. But the fact that your nine-year-old is also called him a, a bit of an annoying ball bag is, uh, is music <laughs> to my ears, to be honest. So, yeah, so I, I show speed, speed, the YouTuber, is going in the sea, in the sea for you today. Is, he, is, it, is it him that's going into the sea? Because you don't yeah. want to appear grumpy about... you don't like. We just probably don't understand that type of content creation. It's just not for us. Or is it the fact that he's being given the airtime no, no, on traditional media? It's him. Okay. It, 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 he he's brings it on himself. Because once you get the the airtime, you still have to be a ball bag, and uh, he he does it hundred percent of the time. So, get in the sea. Fair enough. Oh, cool. Right, that's I show speed is in the sea. Joel, I know you're desperate to talk about Ronaldo, but see if you can stave off for a few minutes. What are you going to put in the sea? Yeah, we'll keep Ronaldo to the side for a second. Mine's, it's not like get fully in the sea. It's kind of like dip your toes in the sea a little bit with Gareth Southgate. Just because after watching Ivan Tony's performance at the Etihad at the weekend, I was just thinking to myself, how has this guy not been given a chance in the mm. team? Because it just seems to fit what England do as in terms of an attacking presence because he's so good at like uh, his aerial presence and his set pieces and all these and just being able to have a really good hold up play. And the fact that he's responded in that way against one of the best sides, if not the best side in the country at the moment, uh, Bar Arsenal. I just thought it showed, it took a lot of 
I'm sure he, a lot of pride was taken to off him uh, prior to the England squad being announced. And the fact that the next game, two days later, he went on and pretty much did a masterclass at their ground. I think it just shows the kind of mentality. And I'm kind of, I, I feel a little bit sad for him how there was that little, I don't even, I wouldn't say a smear campaign, but you know when all of the kind of betting allegations were starting to rise just before mm. the team was about to be announced. I just feel for him a little bit because it was all, it's all alleged. There's no proof at the moment and nothing's been done. I don't know if that's played a part or not. If Southgate's had an, a word about potentially what could happen during the World Cup or after the World Cup. And I just feel for him a little bit, but it's just the fact that regardless, he's had a lot of critics in the last few years. You know, when he's made comments about Brentford or when he's lacked a little bit of professionalism, but time and time again, He's just a, a bit of a Vardy type miracle story, isn't he? Of coming through all of the ranks, now doing it in the Premier League. And I just I felt like he really deserved a spot based on the last two months. And we saw Jose Mourinho's comments about Tammy Abraham not being included mm. when he said, you know, well, Tammy Abraham's not been included. Well, why has Calvin, Phillip, Calvin Phillips been included then? You know, there's a lot of contradictions in that squad at the moment. And I feel like Tony just got a little bit cast aside. I don't know whether it was because of his stature, whether it's because he's not even had a cap yet. But yeah, I just felt like with Southgate, he could have been a little bit of a nice little armour artillery just to use to bring on. But yeah, for me, I don't want to put Southgate too much in the sea yet because I predict that in the next few weeks he might be going fully in there. But uh, for now... <laughs> just like a paddle for Yeah, now. just a little he'll, paddle, put his toes in. He'll do bloody well to get through uh, the World Cup without going in the sea on our podcast once, at least. <laughs> 100%, It'd be 100%. Like, a, like sending off a, a puppy on a on a life raft into the uh, Atlantic. It's like, if that thing doesn't fall off into the sea, I'd be amazed. I, I think with, with the Tony thing, yeah, I, I feel it could have been a valuable addition to the England squad and I think Marley you've made the point before that it would just be all about his penalty taking and that would kind of overshadow any of his uh, it's more to his game though yeah but yeah, yeah. That, and that that wasn't my point Joel like everyone knows everyone's good in everyone's um clever enough to know that there's more to his game but everybody as soon as you say Tony oh yeah his penalties are great like his his yeah. whole play is brilliant don't mm. underestimate just because he scores penalties like my ang- you know my angle was I don't want him I don't want it, don't want it to all be about penalties and then he misses one and mm. then he got to, just gets crucified. If you're a professional footballer, you should be good as penalties. That sh- that should be like a given. Yeah. Professional footballers should score penalties because it's it's like bowling. I've <laughs> had this discussion before. <laughs> every professional bowler should get a strike every time. <laughs> professional footballers should score a penalty every time. That's a good analogy. But that's not my point. My point was I think the offside off pitch stuff you have to put to one side when it comes to Ivan Tony at the moment because mm. as you say it's allegations at the moment. There's no. Oh, certainly we've not seen concrete evidence that there's been any rule breaking. What annoys me about the Ivan Tony situation is that he hasn't even been given the opportunity to prove himself in an England shirt. And there were two games a couple of weeks back, the last two England games before the World Cup, where he made the squad and he wasn't given the opportunity to play in those meaningless games when he could have been given an opportunity to Mm. prove what he could have done. So he becomes a great unknown going into the tournament. So when he didn't appear in those fixtures for England which he could have easily and he should have easily played in when he didn't appear in them there was no way he was ever going to go to the World Cup because he was an unknown quantity to Southgate and Southgate likes tried and tested yeah. yeah but the fact he wasn't given that opportunity was ridiculous given that he had earned that opportunity with his league form uh, that was the time to experiment wasn't it as well yeah in these meaningless games because he's like what you just said Southgate has never been a manager who is risk uh positive he likes to be risk averse always 
And that's why it was kind of a little bit of a shock that Madison even made it. Because mm. he had one cap. And that was two years ago. Yeah. So that just kind of shows that, you know, the fact that he goes for Calvin Phillips and Maguire and all these tried and tested players who at the moment have even either not played or are playing poorly mm. just shows that he was never going to get in the side. He needs players who he knows. And whether that's a downfall of his management or not, we'll soon see in this World Cup. Well, my guess in the sea is going to be World Cup related as well, but I'm not going to put Southgate in the sea yet. I'm going to put everyone that's going to Qatar in the sea because I'm getting a little bit bored at the same statements coming out from journalists and TV pundits who are heading to Qatar, particularly those who have previously taken moral standpoints like Gary Neville <laughs> and like Gary Lineker. In fact, Gary's they in general. They are all maybe. the Garys. <laughs> but they're kind of saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, all the Garys. They're saying they're going to Qatar despite the issues that we see out there, despite the questions over human rights and deaths of migrant workers and LGBT issues, and they're going there to highlight what's going on, to shine light on the negatives of this tournament. And I think it's time to stop that narrative and just be honest and say, the reason you're going to the World Cup is because you're getting a massive paycheck to be out there. And you're hoping that everyone, once the World Cup kicks off, forgets about the negative issues and I'm not naive enough to think that the fans and journalists and TV presenters around the world are going to boycott this tournament because it's the World Cup and we're all quite excited and it's time to just have a bit of honesty around that now and we're as guilty of this as everyone else we will talk about the World Cup over the next month and we won't talk too much about human rights and we won't talk too much about the deaths of those migrant workers but it's still there and it's not sports washing on the same scale that we've seen with the Saudis taking over Newcastle and the stuff that's going on at Man City. The connection here between the regime and the events and the sport is so much deeper than we've ever seen previously. People who have built the stadiums in Qatar have died because of the working conditions and the abuse of the individuals, the abuse of the migrant workers. And that will get forgotten about during the World Cup. And people who say they're going to go out there and they're going to work for TV companies or broadcasters or newspapers, they're complicit because they are helping people consume the World Cup. And we are complicit as well. But we need to be honest about that and go, we're just pushing that to the side for the purpose of the next four weeks. I bought a World Cup wall chart. I'll watch TV and I'll watch adverts from sponsors who are paying to support the World Cup. And I will probably consume their goods. I'll eat a McDonald's, I'll drink a Coke or whatever it is. But we shouldn't feel good about it and we shouldn't make any pretense that we're going out there and going, oh, isn't it terrible? Isn't it terrible? Because if you're just saying, isn't it terrible? You're not actually doing anything. You're not actually taking any action. So let's try and not forget about that stuff over the next month. And if you are a Gary Neville, if you are a Gary, a Gary Lineker, <laughs> yeah, if you're a Gary of any description, be honest with yourself and come out and say, look, I'm doing this, but I'm getting a ton of money to do it. And that's why I'm there. And the human rights issues just aren't as important to me as the time and money I'm getting. So that, I think, needs to stop and it needs to get in the sink. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen him on Have I Got News For You, didn't he? A couple of weeks ago, Gary Neville hosted it and you know, it was uh, he got pulled apart basically. He was taken yeah, to task. Ian Hislop had a, just said it in a very straight, straightforward way and said, you know, well, you could protest by not going, Gary. You don't have to go and take the money. And he, he kind of stumbled because he's usually very good 
uh, Neville, mm. uh, you know, uh, debating and and arguing his point, and he's always he's always got a point as well. But on this one, it's it, it's a little bit too far. It's it's um it's one of them where like I think the worst part is that he's going to be working for B in Sports, which is Qatari backed. Yeah. Mm. So I like to see how far he's going to go with this when he's getting paid by mm. Qataris to voice his concerns over this because they're the biggest broadcaster in the Emirates by yeah. an absolute mile when it comes to yeah. sports. And it's the so same with, I mean, it's the same with everyone. Like I say, it's the same with us watching at home. It's the same with the footballers that are going out there. It's the same with the pundits. And if you're connected to the World Cup, if you're consuming it in some way, you're letting sports washing do what sports washing is there to do. It's designed to make you forget about all the bad stuff and focus on the big, shiny, fancy event mm. side of it. And it's going to be really difficult to remember that over the next month. And I can feel myself already starting to get excited about the World Cup, yeah. despite the moral objections I have to where it is and the conditions surrounding it. But it's going to... I, I was speaking to a commentator the other day and he made a really interesting point, actually. He said that there's going to be a time and a place for the politics side of the World Cup. And this is, this is any sporting event that has politics attached to it. And the time and event for that is not during the action itself. Because when you talk about something that happens, so say, for example, sports washing during the game itself, what you're doing is you're tying the negativity of sports washing to the performance of the players on the pitch, the performance of the athletes. And he says, that's not fair. I fundamentally disagree with that because the athletes are making a choice to participate in that sport. And by doing that, they're making a decision that their moral judgment isn't as significant. But then, do you know, isn't I, as important. I feel like because it's their job. I think if there's anyone who has to point fingers, it's to, for example, Infantino, to Set Blatter, yeah. to all of these. These are the guys who at Completely. the top made the decisions. The players are just going because it's their job. But they don't have to go. They don't, but it would have to be a mass exodus. And yeah, I mean, you've got to do it together. The, yeah, it's got to be a together. Mm, you like, can't have what like Ronaldo saying, "I'm not going," and then everyone else like, "Well, we're still going." Yeah. Anyway. I think it's surprising that there isn't a single player that's gone. I'm not playing. I don't want to go and participate in yeah. this tournament. Because, like I say, I feel like it needs to be a collective. I think, it needs mm. to be something where every single national side said, "Either we play this in another country, or it's not mm. happening," and that'll never like happen. Denmark tried, didn't they? Denmark have, have done the most out of anyone, and Norway, but Norway didn't yeah. go, so it's kind of irrelevant anyway. But Denmark tried to drum up support, and they've they've done things in, um, and like the shirts, for example, and and the the they wear like I think they wear um like training warm up shirts in their qualifiers, saying like, you know, football for all and uh, equal rights and all the rest of it, and you know, like highlighting the issues basically. But they can't they can't pull out because no one else is. So it would just mm. look like Denmark just go, just having a little strop. And if nobody follows you, that's, you know, you haven't got your point across really because ultimately, yeah. I mean, if it Denmark aren't powerful enough for themselves to just to cause a reaction. If Brazil, Argentina, England and France pulled out all, all at once, mm. the, the, the other countries would follow. But it's, I guess a, it's, it's little disappointing, Denmark, isn't it? it? But it's, it's, it's disappointing, but it's not unexpected. The fact that, like I say, people there, there hasn't been more of a stand from individuals or from teams, but it does stem, as you're right, Joel. It, it all comes down to the decision to award the World Cup to Qatar in the first yeah. place. Yeah, and which, which the which players think, are always in the limelight because they're the ones who are the public figures. The guys in mm -hmm. the background, like Infantino, they don't have to say anything. They yeah. can stay in the back and they're they're hiding a little bit. 
Whereas the players, it reminds me of when the pandemic was on and Matt Hancock was calling out all the football players for their salaries and saying they should take a cut. It's like they're the fall on guys because they're the public figures mm. and they have all the answers to all the questions. Let's go a little bit higher and ask the people who actually gave the World Cup to Qatar and they can sort it out because the players, I feel for them a little bit because they, they didn't sign up for that. Mm. They signed up to play football. These guys, the politics guys in, in UA from FIFA, they signed up for that. They signed up for all of the politics that comes with football because it's their job. Just so, a really difficult thing to separate is, the two at the moment. And I think that's a, it's a correct that it is difficult to separate the two because yeah. it will be a massive shadow hanging over this World Cup. Right, I'm going to get off my high horse. Give me a second. There we go. I'm off the high horse. Uh, we're going to talk about what everyone wants to talk about now. Cristiano Ronaldo and his controversial and explosive interview with Piers Morgan. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Let's get stuck into Cristiano Ronaldo, who has given an interview to Piers Morgan and said some controversial things about his time at Manchester United, including a criticism of the structures of the club, a lack of respect for Ten Hag, and also questioning whether he's being forced out of the football club. Joel, you're a Manchester United fan. What has exactly been said here? Gosh, where do we start with this? Well, first things first, we knew that this was coming because after the summer window had ended, he did say, I will be doing an interview Mm -hmm. and the truth will be revealed. So on that front, it's not on the basis of this season. It's on the basis of we're going back a little bit here. Obviously, it's not aided his position from this summer uh, and this season. But I think with this situation, there's just two sides to every story. And I think with this, the timing is so pathetically bad. Firstly, on the back of United winning a game yesterday, Mm. Garnacho, an 18-year-old, which Ronaldo once was, completely overshadowed by his comments about, firstly, a manager who he says disrespects him, so I'm going to disrespect him back. He's going for the wrong guy. The fact that Ten Hag has come in, one of the most intelligent managers, the most upcoming managers who's galvanised the whole club after the absolute travesty that Rangnick gave us. How the hell can you say that he doesn't respect you when you're the one who's walking off the pitch? It gives gives him opportunity after opportunity and he doesn't deliver. For me, it's just the fact that his antics and everything that's going on, it's like he can't accept the reality and the reality is that he's no longer the top guy anymore. So he's almost converting that into a a lack of disrespect 
because he's not playing, whereas he needs to smell the coffee and realise mm. Ten Hag is working for the best interest and the respect of the club. Not for the respect of his stature. It doesn't mean anything to him. Ten Hag's got results to produce. He doesn't have time to be bowing to a guy who, you know, his legacy can't be touched. His incredible legacy. But all that matters is your last game. And Ronaldo is no longer that player. But at the same time, for this to have reached this point where mm. Cristiano Ronaldo is giving... I mean, there's some unforgivable things that he said in this interview. And it's unforgivable that he should even put Piers Morgan back in the public agenda. I mean, that's the biggest crime here. The fact that Piers Morgan's trending on Twitter. No one needs that. But there's a failure of management here from Manchester United and from Ten Hag because this shouldn't have got to this situation. And in the interview, I understand Cristiano Ronaldo. We've only seen clips and we've only seen a few comments so far. We've not seen the whole thing. But I understand Cristiano Ronaldo says some things about the handling of this situation when he had... His his daughter was sick in the summer. Yeah, in the summer, and and I think I heard Piers Morgan describe it as unacceptable actions from the football club around that and a lack of empathy. So it's not that it's not Manchester United aren't blameless in oh, this scenario. This two, like, Ten Hag is not blameless. There's two sides to every single story, and that's why in some of his points he's absolutely one hundred percent. Don't get me wrong. It's the context and the timing of it. So, mm -hmm. for example, you know, when he talked about the training ground, saying it was exactly the same as when he left it uh, under Sir Alex Ferguson, that's the reason why the whole Glazer campaign's happening mm. because they've not evolutionised the club. It's the same club and they've not put money into it. I totally respect that, but we all know that's the case anyway. The same thing, you know, when he mentioned about his daughter, I can also sympathise with that if that's the case because a lot of players like Lingard, Henderson, there's so many more, even Jose Mourinho, they've all commented about the club and the way that they handle things. And I can totally sympathise with that. The worst thing, again, is just how calculated it was. Just at the end of the season, just before the mm. World Cup, knowing that when he comes back, Qatar's uh, finished, the transfer window starts. And it's the fact that he called out Ten Hag and said he doesn't respect me. Yeah. I think that left the, the most sour taste because this is a man who has got the best interests of the club. And for Ronaldo, he just cannot accept this really devastating fact that he's not the same player that he was anymore. Mm. And that's the only reason why he sees it as disrespect. And for me now, after those comments, I think he knows it as well. He's done. He, that's why he's been so hard in it. And I respect one side of his arguments of everything he said about the club and his daughter. I respect that. But the fact that he's gone after a guy who is on the... Uh, the fans have his back 100% is the wrong move completely. I've got that quote here about Ten Hag. He says, I don't have respect for him because he doesn't show respect for me. If you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to respect you. If you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to respect you. <laughs> I don't know why he says that twice, but that's, that's certainly <laughs> how it's written in the quote. Um, I mean, you're right, Joel. The, the timing of this is really telling because it's past the final game of the season. He's about to go to the World Cup where he will play every minute of every game for Portugal. It's a shop window, even for a player like Cristiano Ronaldo at the stage he's at his career. He says he wants to play on until he's 40, so he's in the shop window to get a final move somewhere mm. in Europe. And there'll be plenty of big clubs that are still interested in him. Is that it for Ronaldo at United Marley? Can you see that the end of his career? He won't kick another ball. He'll disappear in January. Nah, I think he'll carry on. <laughs> nah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's done. That's it, I think. He, he knows that as well. I think even though he knows he's under contract, there's ways out of the contract, even if it costs him, you know, half a million quid to get himself out of it, he'll he'll do it. I think there, somebody even said on Twitter yesterday there was actually grounds to 
to uh, to terminate his contract uh, legally with the, with the stuff he said um, in the past 12, 24 hours, whatever it may be. But yeah, he's uh, he's definitely done. He knows that. He, he he's um, you know he's not thick. He's he's done the uh, the timing. He's got the timing of this. So he, he it's on the back of uh, the last game going into the World Cup. No one's going to see him for a for a month in a club shirt anyway. Um, he's fit enough to you know he's played enough football to be ready for the World Cup, um, which he I mean he loves playing for Portugal. He, he's kind of like the Portuguese Gareth Bale at the minute. He's club a uh, uh, country over club at the minute, and he has been for mm. for the last couple of years, I would say. Um, and yeah, he'll take his uh, his options in in January. He's, he's just got to gamble that somebody's in a financial position to um, to take him on because obviously that's his that's his problem, but. It's the decision he's made. I think he's got probably willing to to take a cut for wherever he may end up. He might end up back at Sporting, for example. Um, but with that, it's uh, it's definitely the end of him at Man United. And even though he had some points at times during that interview or, or what we've seen of it, um, a lot of it just came across as two spoilt children talking to each other and agreeing with each other in, in chairs, sat opposite each other, kissing each other's ass. It's it's very strange um, <laughs> to come out with that. I mean, the lack of respect thing for Ten Hag made no sense to me because Ten Hag has, has been been a disciplinarian, which Man United have been crying out for for about 10 years in, in his short time at, at the club so far. Um, but Ronaldo's seen it the other way. I think he said he doesn't respect me. But he was captain two weeks ago. He was out of the team when he um, he acted like a child. Then he was back in the team. That takes maturity from from the manager because it's easy to to completely scapegoat a player when he does something bad. But he had the the maturity to let him back into the team. Um, played him in in big games. Okay, he's benched him a little bit, but he's he's trying to plan for the future of Man United. And you can't. Doesn't matter how good you are, you can't totally build a team around a 38 year old it's it's not it doesn't make any sense um so Ronaldo for me has to show a bit more maturity as a as a 37 38 year old guy um and he hasn't but is it surprising I, I don't really think so I think the general consensus is Ten Hag has handled the situation with Ronaldo pretty well in terms of dropping him and then bringing him back and kind of allowing him back into the squad as you say but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes I guess one of the things he did talk about in the interview was his love for the club and his love for the fans. Do you think he's shown that in his comments? Because fundamentally, no. he, he wants change, right? He wants change at this football club. He remembers it from the Alex Ferguson days. And his problem is it's not moved on since the Alex Ferguson days. As you said, he talked about the conditioning and the gym and the jacuzzi. He even had a bit of a pop at the chefs. No poor chefs. <laughs> yeah, in terms of what they were cooking up. So... Has he show? I mean, is is he showing a love for the fans and a love for the club, or is it disrespectful on all sides? Well, this is what I mean. It's the timing of it. It's the fact that you know. I go back to the Garnacho point. Ronaldo was once that eighteen-year-old boy mm. doing big things for United, and the fact that he had his day and it just got overshadowed by this interview, and the fact that he's attacked the manager who has given this eighteen-year-old the chance, who has really galvanised the club and got every single United fan on side. United fans don't support a player. We support the club. And the fact that he's under contract going against the manager that we all support, going against the club who he apparently loves, it just leaves a really bitter taste. 
I think I don't believe that you know it tarnishes his legacy because what he's done will always be set in stone at United for what he did. It's one of the best ever six years I think we'll ever see for a player ever at a football club. Full stop. But the fact that he's so, I think the saddest part is that this is his last weapon. He's no longer the player who can go and prove himself on the pitch anymore and silence the critics. He has to do this. Mm. He has to come out and back his point because his legs are no longer communicating with his brain anymore. <laughs> and that's just the sad part about it. It's the fact that it's such a far fall from grace that he's had to attack. And don't get me wrong, like I said, he, he made some really potent points and points that I massively agree with. But we all knew that was the case. We all knew that the Glazers had underinvested in the club. And you know what? I hope in the interview that we see on Wednesday and Thursday, the full one, that he goes after them. So from that point of view, do you think any of this interview is about changing the club and changing the structure and trying to make Manchester United a better place, trying to put it back to where it once was? Or is it purely selfish reasons from his point of view? Oh, I think we're a bit naive if we think it's just about the club. I mean, his whole Mm. career has always been about his records, his achievements, what he's doing in the game. However, I do res- I can respect that he will be the only person of Manchester United Association who is still in the club to actually call them out because Alex Ferguson was never going to call them out. Mm. No previous managers have ever called them out. They've done it subliminally. Ronaldo's probably the only one and I respect that in that regard, but I can never ever respect the fact that he says he feels betrayed when he's a guy who in the preseason walked out after 90 minutes left the ground after the Spurs game, refused to come on as a substitute, and Ten Hag's giving him chance after chance. The captain's armband, which I think was a mistake, because I think he disrespected him so badly. But in the end... Ten... It was an olive branch, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The captain's armband. Ten Hag's come yeah. out of this unscathed. If anything, he's come out of it an even better manager. Because, Stronger. yeah, he's, he's shown that no matter what your stature, he will play whatever team he wants to play. And he will give you chance after chance to prove yourself, as he did with Garnacho. He even said he had attitude problems in preseason. However, prove yourself. Let's see what you've got. And the fact that I, I would love to see Ten Hag's reaction to this because I feel like he will see it as him giving so many chances, so many opportunities to prove himself. And like I say, what the, the original point I made, which is that the bottom line of this is Ronaldo cannot accept that he is no longer the player he used to be. And he's misconstruing that with lack of respect. Mm. Um, lack of respect will be playing him and he's not performing for the team. That'll be lack of respect for the fans and the club if Ten Hag continuously played him. So I'm all in the Ten Hag corner. Every United fan is. And I think it'll be massively telling what else he says. But from what he's done, the damage has been done times 50. And he even had a dig at Rooney as well, which I'm, I kind of like a bit baffled. Rooney's had a dig at him a few times, though, to <laughs> no, be fair. No, he has, he has, he has. I don't think, that was bizarre. I don't but... think we've seen the end of this anyway. There is more to come from this Ronaldo interview. It's going to be serialised on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. No doubt we will be picking up the comments from that interview later in the week on Football Social Daily. But as we take a bit of a pause for the World Cup, we're going to look at where we're at in terms of the Premier League next. Who are the runners and riders at this half-term break of the season? We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. This podcast is a sports social production. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. 
You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back, Football Social Daily. Final bit of today's show, we're going to look at the Premier League. We're having a little breather, we're having a little pause until Christmas while we get this World Cup out of the way, and then we're right back into it. But it's a good opportunity to take stock as well and see exactly where we're at in terms of the Premier League season and how the rest of it's going to pan out. I'm going to start with you, Marley, because it suddenly occurred to me at the weekend that Newcastle, (laughs) third in the Premier League at the moment, two points off Manchester City, seven points off the top, and Newcastle United in with a chance of winning the Premier League title this year. Right, here we go. Um, right, you <laughs> oh, you, you asked this in our Telegram chat, didn't you? And immediately got told, no, next yeah. question, right. But, but I don't see why not, that's the thing. I don't understand how you can anyone could be ruling them out at the moment, considering their form, not only this season, but the tail end of last season as well. Exactly right. So this the, the thing for me, right... I'll start by saying I absolutely don't think we're going to win the Premier League. Of course not. However, if you're if you're third or even fourth in the table, and I think it's seven points off off the top of the table with twenty two games to go, I think it is. Mm. You know, you're not even halfway through the season. You are you are at this moment in time title contenders because I remember. A few, I think it was after nine or ten games, when Arsenal had won uh, all but one of them, um, we said that our Arsenal title contenders, and we said, well, well, I said the top of the league. How could they not be? Like until they lose games and and fall out of it, they are title contenders. It's the same with Newcastle for me. Like in, I know the seven points back, and it's a little bit, and nobody expects them to do it, me included, of course. But until they lose more games, they are in they are in the race. I don't expect it's like it's like being level with Usain Bolt after forty meters of a of a race. You do <laughs> expect him to just put the hammer down and blast you into oblivion in the next four or five seconds. But that compared to a Premier League season is over the next ten, fifteen games. If you lose three of them, you're probably out of the race because then you're fifteen points behind or or twelve or eighteen maybe. Mm. It's one of them where Arsenal and Man City, it's up to them to take it on. But if they don't, you know you've got to you've got to see where you are. So you're in the race until you're not. It's kind of it sounds a little bit contradictory, but at this moment in time, they've lost one game. Um, you know that was at Liverpool in the 98th minute when there was five added on, um, and they beat Chelsea. They've drew with Man City. Should have beat Man City at home. So to be two points behind Man City, who everyone expects still to run away with the league, 
it's silly to say that they're not at the minute. Are you surprised with where Newcastle are at this early yeah. stage since the takeover? Because I think we all expected Newcastle to become contenders at some point, but it feels like it's happened really quickly. And they look pretty nailed on, if not for the Premier League title, for a top four spot. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised we. I'm surprised we are where we are. Yeah, um, I expected improvement, obviously, but not not to this level. Um, you know, we. If if you watch the Chelsea game at the weekend, we, it was it was like watching, um, a sort of European finishing team play. You know, a team that finishes thirteenth, fourteenth. It was it was comfortable and it was dominant. And Chelsea didn't have the best team out, which which did impact things. But um, no, due to injury and stuff like that, obviously. But Newcastle just had them at arm's length. It was like like putting your hand on your little mm. brother's head and he's he's swinging away at your legs and he just can't get near you. You know, you know, like you just hold them back and he's like he's swinging away using all his energy, but you're actually really comfortable. Um, it was like that, and you know the goal was coming for. A good 40, 40 odd minutes. Um, eventually got it on like sixty eight or something like that, and uh, we uh, we held on pretty pretty comfortably with some mega defending and um, and sort of highlights. But in terms of the whole improvement, you you expected them to improve, but to this level is is uh, is fantastic. Marley mentions Arsenal there, Joel. We were talking last week about no one really taking their title charge seriously but here they are still top of the Premier League they've widened the gap between them and Manchester City they'll be believing they'll be thinking now that they've got a real opportunity to win the Premier League from here won't they I just think with this City you side you couldn't hear the roll of eyes that Joel just did <laughs> but it was there definitely <laughs> listen with this City side History tells us that you cannot start counting your chickens, be- uh, counting your eggs. Be- sorry, your chickens before they've hatched. Um, yeah, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All right, old MacDonald. Yeah, um, yeah, with the city side, they're just too relentless. History shows that. I remember, I think it was three years ago in the title race between Liverpool and City, where City won their final fourteen games, and if they would have drew one, they would have lost the league. Mm. Another one is you know reaching a hundred points beating Liverpool who had 98 points which was enough to win every single Premier League season like this is a similar team maybe not as good I would say but I mean they're a little bit more potent considering they have Haaland up front and I just think with the fact that the five points five points is absolutely meaningless at this stage of the season because City I think last season were about eight points off the top around this stage uh, to Liverpool and you know they won the league at a canter last year so I think it's going to be don't get me wrong, they are in the race. I put it out there, of course they're in the race. But like I say, I'm, I'm waiting to see if they can continue this momentum past January, February time and if they're still going to be toe-to-toe with City because mm. City have proven in the last few years that as it gets past January, they start to kick into another gear again and they really start to build the momentum. It's strange. It's almost like they're saving the best form for the, for the, uh, the photo finish. So let's see what happens. Haaland's going to have a nice one-month break. Let's see if that... I was going to say, is it going to help him? I mean, does he really need any help? <laughs> he's In got 18 Haaland, goals. He's got 18 goals this season. Yeah. What would be your prediction for how many he'll finish on? If he carry, carries on at the current rate, so it's mm. 1.56 goals a game, he'll have 59.28 goals by the end of the season. Gosh. I think in the Premier League, I think he'll get around 30. I still That's only another 12. 
I think he might slow down slightly just with the massive congestion of games that's to come in the January to basically April, isn't it? I think there's mm-hmm. going to be a game every three days. And I don't think Guardiola is going to gamble him every single game because, as we saw with his injury record at Dortmund, he is pretty prone to muscular injuries, which keep him out for you know, 12, 15 days at a time. And they'll definitely be in the depths of the Champions League, the FA Cup um, and the, the League Cup. So I think it's going to be... I don't think he's going to have as an explosive second half of the season as the first half, put it that way. In terms of the other end of the table, Marley, who do you think is going to be going into this World Cup panicking about their future? Who do you think is going to come back and really need to kick it up a gear unless they're going to end up in the championship next season? Um, <clears throat> well, Wolves are obviously going into it bottom. Um, I know they've got a new manager coming, but I, it's still um, panic stations at the minute because... It has to stick. It has to. You have to get instant results. You have to. You have to do what Emery's done at Villa and get two wins, pretty much straight away. You know, um, to get them out of it. I'd. I'd be worried if I was Southampton, because um, there's no assurances over, over how good a manager Nathan Jones is. Can he? Can he adapt to the Premier League? Can mm. he learn on the job quick enough and get, get his ideas across to the players and get a tune out of the players, which aren't, don't look the best squad at, even at the best of times. Um, so I think they'll be worrying, um, and then Forest and and the likes of uh, um, the other teams down there, Everton. I'd be, I'd be majorly worried if I was Everton, with the financial outlay they've had, uh, with the stadium on the way, to tighten the purse strings going forward in the next few uh, few years. I would be really worried about them if they can't improve. It was toxic at the weekend again. How many times have we said that about Everton in the last two years? Um, you know, he will be chucking his shirt to the fans. <laughs> the fans chucking it back. Um, this this from the same crowd, who about six weeks ago, Anthony Gordon chucked his shirt into the crowd, and a, and a man <laughs> dropped his own child to get his to get his shirt. And then a few weeks later, Alex will be chucks it in, and they go, "Yeah, mate, have that back." Um, after losing to Bournemouth by by three goals for the for the second time in four days. Um, so they're they're banging trouble because the cr- the crowd is against them now, whereas with all the other teams I've just mentioned, the crowd um, and the fans are for the the current regime. Um, but it's different for Everton. It's uh, it's all a bit toxic um, on the blue half of Merseyside. But so them three, I'd be I'd be probably thinking would be worried most. Forest is showing little signs of improvement. I still think they'll go down, but um, it's. They've got a little bit of a tune out of the players in the last few few weeks, which has uh, give them a few shoots of uh, of improvement. I'm worried about my lot at the moment. I think the form at West Ham is terrible. I think David Moyes looks out of ideas, and I think he could be one of the managers that's under threat during this World Cup period, as there might be some chopping and changing. We're already shaping up to Deitch. have. Well, yeah, don't don't even say it. <laughs> We're shaping up for there to be more Premier League sackings this season than we've ever seen before in a Premier League season. A quick prediction before we wrap up today's podcast. Who do you think we're going to lose between now and the end of the season, Premier League boss-wise from here, Joel? I think that Lampard is very, very much at risk just from the way of the reaction of the fans at the end of that game. If I like something, it changed again, um, which is quite strange because they went on, what, a six, seven-game unbeaten streak a few games ago, it feels like. And now it just seems like we're replicating everything that happened at the end of last season. So I think he and David Moyes are probably two of the ones that are most at risk next, I would say. I think we could easily see Frank Lampard going, David Moyes going, 
Jesse Marsh. I think he's under real pressure at Leeds at the moment. Brendan Rodgers seems to have got himself out of the fire at Leicester City. He feels like he's bought himself a bit of time at least. Is there any other names you'd throw into that mix, Marley? Um, I would, well, Lampard, I expect, maybe. Um, Do you know what? Rather than who's going, I'm I'm staggered Sean Dyche isn't working. I know I took the mick out of you before, but I said at the start of the season, I'm not sure who's going to go, but I'm damn sure Sean Dyche is going to get a Premier League job sooner or later in a... I'm pretty sure he'd have thought he would be uh, be working by Christmas, but I can see Southampton going for him in a panic in the, in the in the final ten games when Nathan Jones isn't. It, uh, well, if Nathan Jones doesn't uh, get a tune out of the players, I can see I can see West Ham making it making a change if it carries on like this because the obvious uh, not for no, Sean Dyche, no, though, not surely. necessarily for Dyche, but um, just for someone. Because the the thing that follows Moyes round is, whenever West Ham are playing well, it's never the, it never seems to hinge on the players they spend the money on. Like Paqueta's not done anything this season. Mm. Skamaka's done very little, even though he's shown signs of it. Um, and it's kind of like, well, why are we spending this money backing him if he can't, if if he can't get a, a tune out of these players that we're spending all this money on? So mm. it's a bit of a scored twelve goals this season. West Ham. Twelve. Is that was that that's Premier League only, surely? Yeah. Yeah, Premier League. Twelve yeah, goals in fifteen enough. games. But it's no. it's not good enough for the players that are at that disposal. Yeah, it's um yeah, a little bit worrying, but loads of managers. How many I think we've had we had six so far go. Yeah, and the record's ten. We're easily gonna get to ten. Without <sighs> blinking we'll get to ten. Um we will keep a tabs on that, obviously, as Football Social Daily goes on. Sean Dyche being linked with a move to Glasgow Rangers at the moment, potentially, which kind of fits. So we might see him go up there rather than end up in the Premier League. Uh, Sean we are... Dyche with the league winner's medal. <laughs> Imagine. We are going to be focusing on the World Cup as the tournament approaches as well, particularly on England's adventures in it, however long or short they are. So make sure you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of Football Social Daily. And we'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.